Hey, Generation Church, we welcome you and invite you to encounter Jesus with us. We believe that through him, we will encounter love and discover our purpose. So take a seat, lean in, and let this message fortify your faith. You know, this week I was planning on sharing a a second part to receiving the power of the Holy Spirit. Last week I spoke on the power and why it's so important that we as the body of Christ have the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And, but this week, you know, um, the Lord arrested my attention. And he got my attention on something that I really feel like is on his heart right now. And so in planning to speak about the power of the Holy Spirit, the Lord said, no, I, I want you to talk about something else this Sunday. So I've... Um, I'm putting a pause on that, and that will be in the very near future. But um, I'm going to be sharing today why I believe it's important that we be praying for Israel. I've never spoken on this before, and I've never even shared a message on the importance of Israel. And, and so it's new for me. So um, I hope that we can glean from what I think the Lord is saying to us in his word. But, you know, the, the question really is, why should we pray for Israel? I mean, we got enough trouble in America, right? Why do we need to be praying for Israel? And uh, I was sharing with a friend this week uh, that I was going to be sharing on the importance of praying for Israel. And he said, well, why would you want to pray for them? And I, he said, well, they're, they're oppressing the, the Palestinians, the corruption in their government. And uh, he says, I don't see any reason why you'd want to pray for them. And I was like, I was kind of shocked. I was like, really? And uh, he says, so why do you want to pray for them? And I said, well, listen to my message when I get done. Then you can you know, decide. If <clears throat> but, you know, I believe that my friend's perspective is actually the perspective of a lot of people today. Why pray for Israel? What's the importance? What does it have to do with me in Asheville, North Carolina? So, but it, you know, but if we look at Israel subjectively and we try to determine if they're worthy of our prayers based on their actions, then I would ask the question, is America worthy of our prayers? based on our actions and how we're behaving as a government right now. Our nation, which is pretty much becoming godless and is removing God from any form of institution, is America worthy of our... Is anybody worthy of prayers? So the reality is, is that no one's worthy. But God is gracious and kind in that He is long-suffering with many of us, many nations. He is so long-suffering. He's putting up with a whole lot, waiting for the preparation of a people of his own choosing. And so in that, but what's important, I think, as we get into the subject today, the only way that we can know what God thinks about Israel is according to his word. And so 
I would suggest that we look at this issue within the parameters of God's word. That's the only way that we can look at this. You can't look at this emotionally, subjectively. Do they deserve it? You can't look at how you feel. Well, I don't feel like praying for them. The reality is, is that what does God say in his word about Israel? And, and, and we're to pray in accordance with, with the purposes and the revealed will of God according to his word concerning Israel. That's the only way we can stay within safe parameters is within the word. And so in that, if you want to pray intelligently and effectively, you got to start with the fact that first that he is God and he's right. And the scripture is very clear. Psalm 7 says this, God is always right in how he judges. So he knows what's getting ready to happen and he knows what he's going to do. He knows he has a plan and the wonderful thing about it is that he's inviting us into this privilege of praying with them so that his revealed will in the word comes forth. So the most powerful prayer that you can ever pray is to align yourself with the word of God and pray the word of God how he thinks over Israel. You can only stay within those parameters. So 1 Chronicles 17, David had a plan to build a temple for the Lord. And then the prophet Nathan, he told him, hey, that's a great idea. Go ahead and do what's in your heart. Just do it. But God, you know, had another plan. And he dealt with Nathan. And, and he said, I want you, you know, that might sound like a great idea, but that's not my idea. I want you now to go back to, go back to David, and, and I want you to tell him, you know, this really isn't my idea. Why does that do that? <laughs> he said, David is not the one that is to build me a house. And he said, let him know I'm going to build him a house. It's okay. I'm going to build him a house. But the house that he wants to build, I have appointed for his son to build, a descendant to build. So God's purposes prevailed in that issue so that David then came before the Lord the next day and he said these words. Lord, I pray now, do as you have said in your word. He said, do as you have said in your word. And you cannot pray a more powerful prayer than that. When you pray, in essence, according to what is in God's heart, that it be fulfilled. See, when you're standing in line and you're praying God's will, you become irresistible to God. Because you're aligning yourself with his heart, and in that, his will is going to come forth. In the New Testament, the Virgin Mary received an astonishing news that she was going to be the mother of the Messiah. And when the angel gave her that message, you know, she didn't quite understand it. 
how can I, being a virgin, you know, of give birth to a son? Um, but she said very quickly, but be it done unto me according to your word. So she's aligning herself with what God says. So God, what you're saying right now, be it done to me. So this is the framework in how when we look at Scripture based on the issue of why we should pray for Israel, it's based on His revealed will in His Word. So, you know, one of the great functions of intercessors is to pray into being what God has already said will go, is going to happen. That's what intercessors do. So there's intercessors right now on the walls of Jerusalem, and the word intercessor in the Old Testament means someone who reminds someone of something else. That's what it means. You're reminding someone of something else. So my beautiful wife, she continually, weekly reminds me of my calendar. She reminds me what's on the calendar and, and what I'm to do. And I'm telling you, she has got me out of so much trouble. I, I mean, every week, she says, you remember this, you remember that, you remember this, this birthday, you remember, and I'm like, oh, yes, yes, thank you, honey. You remember the trash has got to go out today, don't you? Yeah, so, you know, I'm like, yes, ma'am. I'm like, you know, taking out the trash. So, you know, and I'm, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. So, she reminds me of what's on the calendar. And so, in that, she keeps me straight. An intercessor, your job is to remind God what's on his prophetic calendar. Do you understand? You're just simply, God, you said. You said. So do as you've said. You're reminding God. So that's a principle that I, I kind of want to lay down as intercessors, as ones that are praying for Israel. When we pray for Israel, we stay within the parameters of the word of God. So let's look at Psalm 102, verses 12 through 16. Psalm 102, 12 through 16. But you, O Lord, abide forever, and your name to all generations. You will arise and have compassion on Zion, for it is time to be gracious to her. Zion is Israel. For the appointed time has come. Surely your servants find pleasure in her stones and feel pity for her dust. This is a revelation that was given to the psalmist when he was first. And if you read the first part of that psalm, he's in a, he's in a mood of total despair. He's like, oh, God, where are you? You have forsaken me and left me. I feel all alone and abandoned. I mean, he's in a really, really bad place. And then what happens is that he then, after he opens up with this kind of like a mournful dirge, you know, he's just, you know, oh, woe is me. He then shifts gears in verse 12. But you, O Lord, abide forever, and your name to all generations. So there was a total change of his mood because he had a revelation of the end-time visitation of God upon the Jewish people. He had a revelation that God is going to visit his people once again 
And then he says in verse 13, you will arise and have compassion on Zion, Israel, for it is time to be gracious to her, for the appointed time has come. This is one of the marks of us as believers is that we take pleasure in the times of the Lord, but also we take pleasure in the stones and we show favor to Jerusalem's dust. We love Israel. We love the land. We love the rocks. We love everything about it. And that marks us as a people that are his, that are aligning ourselves with his heart towards Israel. I want you to know something. I, when I went to Israel, the one thing that I loved the most were the stones. I would be on the temple step, and uh, we had our guide there, and this is the temple step, you know, in front of, you know, the Holy of Holies. And so, um, and so the temple step is there, and I, I noticed a little stone was loose, you know, down below. So I went, whoa. I mean, it got loose, so, and I love Jerusalem, so I, I, I put it in my pocket. <laughs> and then, then I met Masada, and there's, there's a stone at Masada, which is an incredible event of, of, of Jewish history. So I got a stone at Masada. Then I got a stone at Engedi, which is the most beautiful, uh, just beautiful uh, you just have to, and Gedi's like a little uh, slice of heaven in the middle of a desert. It's got this beautiful waterfall, and it's lush. And, um, and, then, and then I got, I was in the Valley of Elah, and uh, where David killed Goliath. And I said, Lord, please let me find the Goliath stone, the one that killed him. So I'm out there, <laughs> I, I'm out there in the valley. You know, and I'm looking around, and, and believe it or not, all the stones in the valley of, of Elah are, are smooth stones. And it's like, it's like when he says in the scripture, he says he got five smooth stones. They are the smoothest stones you've ever seen. So I'm out there. Where's the Goliath killer? And so, and I'm looking around, and I said, there it is. Oh, my gosh. So I got that stone, and I put, you know, you know Goliath, and then a line through it on the stone, and I got my Goliath killer. So, but I love Israel. I love Israel. And, and in that, uh, verse 15 says, So the nations will fear the name of the Lord, all the kings of the earth, your glory. So God's intervention on, on behalf of Israel is destined to demonstrate his glory to all the nations. I want you guys to understand, God is going to defend Israel, and God is going to stand with Israel when all the nations of the world leave her, and she is forsaken. The whole world will take note of how God stands beside Israel when all the enemies are coming in all around Israel. God's going to stand up for his people, and and. The, the world is going to take notice, and they're going to understand the glory of the Lord has visited Israel. And so in that, then it says in verse 16, for the Lord has built up Zion, Israel. He has appeared in his glory. One of the great indications that we're approaching the end 
of the age and that the Lord is getting ready to appear in his glory is that he is rebuilding Israel. Right now, Israel is being rebuilt. And you might think, well, how's that? Well, let me just share with you. So in that, we should be happy that the Lord is rebuilding Israel. This should be something that we should get excited about because it's indicating that the time is drawing near where Matthew says that, that, that people will begin to declare, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord upon Israel. And so in that, God is, is setting the stage for this great climax where he is going to be visiting Israel. But right now, prophetically, what has taken place, Isaiah 41, 19 through 20 says this, I will put the cedar in the wilderness, the achaia and the myrtle and the olive tree. I will place the juniper in the desert together with the box tree and the cypress that they may see and recognize and consider again insight as well that the hand of the Lord has done this. And the Holy One of Israel has created it. And you might think, well, what's so big about that? you got to realize, Israel is, most of the land is desert. It's dry. It's parched. It's stone. You don't have all these nice trees that we got out here in the Appalachian. They got, they got rocks everywhere. Well, since the early 1900, Israel has planted more than 240 million trees. And that is a direct fulfillment of a prophecy that was given that I just read 2,800 years ago. So all of Israel is becoming lush and green. Trees are everywhere. You go in Galilee, it's like, it's like a lush land all around the Sea of Galilee. It is absolutely amazing what is taking place. There are projects all over the world where people, where you, where basically you, you, you give a donation and you have a tree planted in Israel. I mean, there are millions of, of trees being planted all around Israel, which is an actual fulfillment of what God said would take place. And then we would say, the hand of the Lord has done this. Aliyah is occurring as we speak. You all know what that is? That is the return of, of, of the Jewish people back to Israel. Aliyah. And so in that, um, Isaiah eleven ten verse uh, 10 through 16, and the assemble of the banished ones of Israel will gather he would gather the dispersed of Judah from the four, four corners of the earth. So really, since the Declaration of Independence in 1948, more than three million Jews have made Aliyah back to Israel. So right now, Israel contains approximately seven million Jews, 46.6% of the world's Jewish population, which is... 15 million total in, in the outer world. So it is absolutely amazing that, that there's a huge 
ingathering of Jewish people back to the homeland, which was a sign that God's hand is upon Israel. Also, roses are growing in the desert as a prophetic fulfillment of Isaiah 35.1. The wilderness and the wasteland shall be glad for them, and the desert shall rejoice and bloom as the rose. You guys got to realize this. Where these roses are growing is desert. And in Israel has developed um, innovative, uh, it's, it's, it's drip irrigation. And in that, they're able to supply water and they're growing some of the most beautiful roses in the desert in Israel. And right now, one of the, the biggest importers of roses to the United States is Israel. So you're having roses grow in the desert as a, as a fulfillment of the scripture that said it would take place and know that this is the beginning of the return of the Lord. So we have signs that are taking place as markers that are indicating to us that God is on the move and his heart is for Israel. And so that is why when the psalmist said, the time to favor her, the set time has come. So the Hebrew word for set time is moed, M-O-E-D, which is a word used to celebrate the set feast, like uh, you have Passover, Pentecost, Yom Kippur. These are set feasts with set times. So God has a calendar of these set times. And on these calendars, there are certain events that turn the hearts of the people back to Israel. So it's our business as intercessors, why we are praying for Israel is to remind the Lord of what's on his calendar. It's a set time. It's the time to pray for Israel. My wife tells me what's on my calendar. We have the privilege as intercessors of saying, God, you said in your word a set time for Israel that we're to be praying for her. So one of the most effective forms of intercession is to say, Lord, this is your set time to favor Zion, to favor Israel, that, we, that they would come to know Yeshua as Messiah. Do what you said in your word, God. It is the set time to begin to pray for the salvation of Israel. Titus 2, 11 through 14. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in the present age, looking for the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people, zealous for good works. That's what God intends to get out of history. God has a plan. And the plan is, is that he is wanting to have a special people 
that are zealous for the works of the Lord. So that's why he is patient. He is so patient. He's allowing wickedness to run its course. He's allowing a lot of things to unfold because God has a chosen remnant, both Jew and Gentile. And and he's not going to let history close until every one of them has come to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. So he's waiting, and it's time to begin to pray for all of Israel to look up and say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, that their hearts would turn to Jesus and receive him as Lord. So when you pray for Israel, what's, the, what's primary is that Israel will become God's special people and that, that God is going to begin to align his people and make them and create them a special people of his own doing. And so in that, God is getting what he wants, and that is his people. And in that, we are not looking at them as, well, they're not deserving of it. God's saying, you know, I love them. They are my people. And I want you to pray for them. That they come to know salvation just like you come to know salvation in the Lord. He's wanting to awaken us to see that his heart is turning towards his people right now. And that in that, it's, it's see, because the glorious return of the Lord is going to, what's going to happen is that the good news of the gospel is going to be preached in all the world before his return. So in that, yeah, all the worlds are, are hearing about the gospel of Jesus, but before his return, his people will also. So Israel will come to know him as their Lord and Savior. Psalm 33, 8 through 12. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. For he spoke and it was done. He commanded and it stood fast. The Lord nullifies the counsel of the nations. He frustrates the plans of the peoples. The counsel of the Lord stands forever. The plans of his heart from generation to generation. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. The people whom he has chosen for his own inheritance. And the name of the people that he's talking about is Israel. Everything that the nation's plan, contrary to God's plan for Israel, will not come to pass. Psalm 17, 7 through 9. This is um, where Israel put, I want you to do is put Israel where the psalmist says me. So, wondrously show your loving kindness, O Savior of those who take refuge at your right hand, from those who rise up against them. Keep me, put Israel there, as the apple of the eye. Hide me in the shadow of your wings from the wicked who despoil me, my deadly enemies who surround me. This is the exact situation that's happening to Israel today. And also we'll see in Deuteronomy 7, 6, for you are a holy people to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for his own possession out of all the peoples who are on the face of the earth. 
God also made a covenant with Israel that the, that the land of Israel is their land. He made a covenant with the Jewish people for the land of Israel, and he does not lie or he does not break a covenant. So let's look at this. Numbers 23, verse 19. God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should repent. He has said, and he will, and will he not do? Or has he spoken, and will he not make it good? This is a literal covenant for a literal land. So therefore, Israel has the title deed to the land of Israel. And in Genesis 13, God told Abraham, Now lift up your eyes and look from the place where you are, northward and southward and eastward and westward. For all the land which you see, I will give it to you as to your descendants forever. So then the same title deed that was given to Abraham is now being passed to Isaac. Genesis 26.3 says this, Sojourn in this land, and I will be with you and bless you. For to you and to your descendants, and I will give all the lands, and I will establish the oath which I swore to your father Abraham. And again, the right to the promised land was then passed from Isaac then to Jacob in Genesis 28, 13. Behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord, the God of of your father Abraham and the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie, I will give it to you and to your descendants. So the creator of the universe has declared that Israel's ownership to the promised land throughout his word and that we as believers should acknowledge and pray for their claim to the land. And we should also pray, as it says in Proverbs, to do not change the ancient borders. It says in the word, do not mess with the borders of Israel. Don't exchange land for peace. Don't don't shift the title deed that I've already given to Israel. He's saying this is their land. And so in that, we're standing in prayer for their land to be protected, for their borders to be at peace. We're praying for Israel to be able to stand in their covenant promise with God and see themselves flourish in the land that God has given them. And now one aspect I want us to to look at in praying for Jerusalem, and I'm sure that most of you are aware of this, is that we're to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. When we pray for the peace of Jerusalem, those that love Jerusalem, the Scripture says, will prosper. Those that love Israel will prosper. And so Psalm 122, verse 6 says this, Pray for the peace of Jerusalem, and may they prosper who love you. The truth of the matter is Jerusalem will never know peace until the Prince of Peace comes. I mean, I mean, the Scripture says there will be a day when they say peace, peace in the land, but ultimate peace will not be found until Jesus is standing on, Mount, on the Mount of Olives and he's declaring that I have arrived. 
So until Jesus comes back, they're really not going to know true peace. Well, some of you then say, then why should I pray for the peace of Jerusalem when I live here in Asheville, North Carolina? We got enough trouble here. Why do I need to be praying for over there? Well, the way that I see this, God has so arranged things that no other city on the earth will know permanent peace until Jerusalem knows peace. He's linked us together so that when you pray for the peace of Jerusalem, you're also praying toward the peace for your particular city. He's linked us together. So in that, when we pray for the borders of, of Jerusalem to be at peace, we're praying for our nation to be at peace. It's the blessing of God knowing that those that love Israel and are praying for Israel, God then says, I am going to honor you, and I am going to bless you, and I'm going to bless your land with peace, and you will prosper in all of your ways. So in that, it's an incredible promise because we are actually recipients of, of a blessing. And I don't know about you, but I want to be blessed. I want to be blessed of the Lord. I want to know that my borders are secure. I want to know that, that where my home is, God's hand is upon me. And God's resting and his favor is there to protect me from all of my enemies. So my last suggestion in praying for Israel is to bless them so that you be blessed. You see, in Numbers 24, 9, when you bless Israel with good things, you are actually qualifying to be blessed in return by God. So I don't know about you, but it's foolish to turn down a blessing from God. So I want to be blessed and highly favored, and I hope you guys are too. So in that, he says, as we bless Israel with good things. You know, when I asked my father to bless me with a father's blessing, he said, well, I don't know what to say. And I said, well, Dad, listen, I'm, I just want you to bless me with all the, all the good things that you want me to have as a father. And in that, he said, well, I can do that. And and so then my dad was able to bless me with all the things that was in his heart to want to bless me with. And in that, as, as we are blessing Israel, God is able to do good things. He's able to work together everything for good in your life because you love him and you're called according to his purposes. So there was a reluctant prophet named Balaam who was hired to curse Israel. I mean, what a job, huh? Just to curse Israel. And, but what happened is that when he got ready to curse Israel, the overruling hand of God came in and said, Nuh-uh, you're not going to curse Israel. You're not going to curse my people. You're going to bless them. So the more Balaam tried to curse Israel, it's like he got ready to throw a curse and all of a sudden... A blessing went out. <laughs> and he's like, well, that didn't work. I'm going to do it again. Another blessing went out. And the more he tried to curse, 
the more he blessed. So he kept blessing Israel, and it was just like all of a sudden Israel was just like, Woo, we got a boat full of uh, blessings coming our way. So he was hired to curse, but the more he did, the more Israel was blessed because the hand of God in his heart for Israel was to bless them and not curse them. So Numbers 24, 9, speaking to Israel, he says, Blessed is he who blesses you, and cursed is he who curses you. So you got a choice. You can either get a blessing or a curse. And if you bless Israel, pray for Israel, love Israel, God will bless you. You know, something very interesting happened in 1948 when the nation Israel was, uh, all 600,000 of them was coming into, into basically be, being set apart as the, the state of Israel and coming in is that at that time, Great Britain, which was in 19, one of the greatest you know, nations of the world, basically, they, they basically told it, we don't want to have anything to do with it. And they did not bless them as they were wanting to come into the nation in 1948, and they turned their back on Israel. They basically turned their back on them. And because of that, I believe it was the beginning of the decline of Great Britain. And today, Great Britain is not the superpower that they once were back in 1948 because they did not bless Israel. We have a choice as a nation and as a people in America. Are we going to stand with Israel and bless Israel? That we might continue to have the blessings of God upon our lives and upon our nations and I think God at this moment is getting the attention of the world that we might begin to bless Israel because I believe we're in the set time, the set time of the Lord where his heart is turning towards Israel because we're seeing the culmination of events of time. Prophetic, prophetically, things are being fulfilled at a rapid pace in Israel. And we're seeing the coming of the age of, of Israel that will look up and see the Messiah. So I, I believe the Lord is wanting to encourage us as a church to really stand and bless Israel and be a people that will be set apart. And in that, we're going to be blessed as a people by doing that. Amen? Amen. 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 Well, let's just let's just stand. Let's stand together. Father, I thank you and I praise you. We thank you for Israel and for your people. And God, we thank you that it's on your heart that we as a people would stand alongside Israel and bless them and not curse them. Father, we pray that as we bless them, that we would be blessed. We pray for their peace, that we would be at peace. Father, we're asking for you to pour out a, a, an abundant blessing 
upon your people Israel, that you would protect the borders, that, Lord, you would guard them and overshadow them, that they might come into the fulfillment of your purposes in this set time, that they would come to know Jesus as their Messiah. So, Father, we thank you and we praise you that we are in a Kairos moment in time where you're calling us to come alongside Israel and pray for her. And we thank you for that. In Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen.